Hello, history enthusiasts. Welcome to the Rural Experience in America Community Civics Through Historical Inquiry podcast. The National Council for History Education, a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium, is pleased to present to you a series of podcasts spotlighting the public history projects created by teachers, community partners, and students from all over the United States. My name is Talia, and today I'll be talking to one of the 11 educators who participated in the first year of this project. Listen in as we learn more about how they integrated public history into their classrooms. Let's welcome to the podcast, Jean Hill. My name is Jean Hill, and I serve as an instructional facilitator in Northwest Arkansas in Springdale Public Schools. Um, Right now, I serve particularly at Helen Tyson Middle School as a facilitator of humanities and and other things, of course, really coaching our students in uh, strengthening their practices in learning and coaching our teachers to strengthen their practice in teaching. I would love to learn more about your project, Transformational Voices of a Growing Region. Absolutely. So Transformational Voices of a Growing Region came out of a need to elevate the diverse voices that are represented in my local community. Within the past, I would say about 40 years now, we've seen a a drastic increase in Uh, the representation of diverse cultures in Springdale. And in doing some investigation with my local uh, historical museum and my local university, I realized that there weren't a lot of different types of voices that have captured our recent history. As we've truly transformed from a, a classically rural area to more of an urban area in parts, but not all. And so with that need in mind, um, I've been working with many community partners to capture uh, the voices of our diverse leaders and the growth in the region that they have experienced. In particular, um, I am working with my local university and historical museum to capture oral histories of these leaders for public use, especially use in our public schools, um, with a culminating project not only being a uh, digital repository of these recordings that can be accessed anywhere in the world, but also a portable exhibit that can be uh, shared in our school district and in neighboring districts to amplify the voices of our current leaders of Arkansas as a component of Arkansas history. I think most people I've spoken with are transplants to our area, whether they've immigrated from another country or just moved in from another state, but bring some unique experiences and and each have a very unique story of how they navigated some of the circumstances here and also how they navigated areas where they saw change was needed to better serve either the community they were a part of or a community that was important to them. You mentioned your community partner there. Can you tell me a little bit about your community partner and how you're balancing, you know, the role of facilitator and also the students in that? So how those components work together? 
Absolutely. So as I mentioned, I'm working with multiple community partners, um, one of which is the Pryor Center for Oral and Visual History at the University of Arkansas, also partnering with the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History in Springdale, Arkansas, that serves not only the county where uh, Springdale exists, but neighboring counties as well. In addition to those partners, I'm partnering with many members of my current district, Springdale Public Schools, to work with students and to partner with teachers to really make this project happen. Um, and so I'm very fortunate to serve in a building where the group of students I'm working with attends. Um, and so I'm able to meet with them weekly to continue to work on this project. They are helping me listen to the oral history interviews I've already conducted to look for trends and are working with me to launch the second set of interviews that will happen very soon that they'll be a part of. They'll, they'll be able to participate um, and really helping me think through some of the complexities of how to make this work digestible for younger audiences. Um, and so I would say my work with this project as well as my role as facilitator really work hand in hand. And I'm able to partner with other facilitators in my building to empower students to do this work as it aligns to what they're learning in class. So I feel like everything really seamlessly fits in a way I didn't anticipate when I was first brainstorming this project. You're mentioning a lot of oral history and working with those sources. Can you talk a little bit about how you use oral histories or other primary sources, specifically how you're discovering these sources and if you're using any other primary sources within this project? Absolutely. So um, for the sources that I'm working with directly now, I'm, I'm truly relying on the community liaison for my district. She has served in our district for many years and is very connected to multiple diverse communities in our area. And, and she is able to explicitly name, this person was here when this happened. Let's, let's hear their story. Um, but I'm also expanding those circles in, in speaking with students and the educators that I work with um, to help cultivate a, really a, a growing list of individuals who have served or currently serve in major leadership capacities in our region who represent diverse backgrounds. Um, I also rely on what has been done. So I rely on the work of the public historians in my area. Um, much of their work is housed at the Prior Center for Oral and Visual History. So I've been able to listen to some of the oral histories that have been recently conducted, as well as some that have been conducted historically to understand what, what we currently exist in um, our, our historical canon locally and some of the holes that we need to fill or voices that we need to elevate to create a, a truly comprehensive understanding and a comprehensive representation of, of this area and, and who we are and what we do. Through your research, have you ended up using any Library of Congress sources or have you used the Library of Congress at all in the creation of this project? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I really started the research for this project through the Library of Congress, just searching through uh, the digital files and realizing that there weren't a lot of 
recent artifacts that, that represent my area or state. Um, but in, in the past and, and currently, I have listened to a lot of the, the oral histories um, housed through the Library of Congress and, and used that in my practice and felt that those were such rich resources that even now I find myself revisiting a Library of Congress resources as a historical researcher and also to think about how does my work fit with, with what is housed in the Library of Congress and one day could the work that I'm doing be a part of that collection. What are some of the rewards and benefits of completing a public history project of this scale? As I am doing it, I am realizing that the connections that are made are connections that I anticipate I will continue to foster during the rest of my professional career. And I I would say the same is true for the students and other community partners that I'm working with. This experience has also helped me discover that anybody can do public history work. I think for so many years um, growing up in school and even attending the university, I always thought you had to go get a, a specialized degree and specialized training to do this work. And through this project, I've realized that anyone can do it, and especially in, in rural areas. Um, I realize how great the need is for public history projects to take place in areas that once were and or currently are rural, because often those the voices of those areas are not elevated in ways that are authentic to that community. Now, on the flip side, what are some of the challenges you found um, completing a public history project like this? Absolutely. I think the greatest challenge is time. Um, there's so much to discover and so much to research. It's a, a unique balancing act to balance the job I, I do in, in public schools and the public history work and, and balancing the appointments and availability of resources. I think another challenge is not always knowing the right questions to ask until we get into the work. And I think that's true of any project, but I would particularly say for the public history project I'm doing, it's it's kind of learn as I go because there are not very many other people who have done similar work in my area with the focus that I have. There is a learning curve, I would say, but it's it's been an exciting one. And I am so, so much looking forward to continuing that learning journey um, in my partnership with the Rural Experience in America. My final question is if you could share any advice you have for other educators who are interested in creating a similar public history project or are also interested in conducting oral histories with their students. Oh my goodness, thank you. Thank you for asking that question. Um, I think if I could give just one piece of advice, it would be to just try the work. It's not going to be perfect on the front end. And the more that I am engaged in public history, I realize that all historians are figuring it out as they um, participate in a research journey and, and try to document history based on the sources that we have available. I would also say there is power in, in keeping public history local. 
Um, so often, I feel like when the word history comes up, we think of big events, world wars, etc. But there is so much to be gleaned from the local experience. Um, and I, I would especially say from the position of an educator, we have a unique opportunity to not only elevate the voices of our, our local experience, but the voices of our students and their families in ways that there may not be a, another opportunity for, for them to be able to share their story as, as part of the history of a place. Especially in, in conducting public history, it's important to, to cast one's net wide. Just thinking about my own project in elevating transformational leaders. When I started, I had an idea of groups of individuals that I wanted to interview. Um, but the more that I've engaged in this project, I've realized that, that there are more groups than, than I even anticipated and more voices. Um, and even if I don't catch everyone in this first round or, or this first iteration of the project, I want the project to be able to continue under my leadership or someone else's to truly recognize all of the assets and all of the transformational leaders in our area. And so as I, I continue to engage in public history projects and support public history projects, I'm always thinking what comes next or whose voice in the room has not yet been elevated and how can we include that person in the work that we are doing moving forward. And so I, I think that's something something important to consider with anyone's interest in public history. Um, finally, I would say it is important to see the assets where you are um, in thinking about the different avenues that a public history project could take. Even in the work that I've done, I've, I feel like I've uncovered so many great things about my community, so many amazing um, resources and people with unique experiences that have truly shaped our community that I didn't know about in, until I started asking and until I started, I'm going to say making friends um, with the people who have been willing to be interviewed as part of this experience. I would honestly encourage everyone who can to pursue a project, even if it's very small, um, as a true connection to place and as an avenue for students and families to connect to the place where they live as well. I also just would like to, to thank the support of all of the community partners that I've worked with and continue to work with in this project um, because this is not something that has been done frequently in, in my area and everyone I've worked with has been so gracious to share time, resources, and energy um, to truly capture the growing and changing rural experience in our area. Thank you so much to Jean Hill for giving us a sneak peek into her creative process. Stay tuned to hear from Angie Albright, director of the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History and a representative from the Pryor Center. Hi, I'm Angie Albright. I'm the director of the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History in Springdale, Arkansas. We have been so happy to work with Jean on her project, Transformational Leaders of a Growing Region. Her work so closely aligns with our own mission to expand the voices and the stories that we document and share here at the museum. 
Our region is in the news so often because of our rapid growth, and it's typically considered a positive growth. But that fast growth can sometimes mean that people and places get bypassed. We don't pause enough to mark what's happening in the moment. But future students, citizens, and researchers will want to know how the Arkansas Ozarks changed so rapidly and what it meant to the people who came here and the people who already lived here. The work that Jean and her students are doing are so important to our understanding of just that. We were excited when Jean first approached the Pryor Center about partnering with her on her oral history project, Transformational Leaders of a Growing Region. Jean is gathering primary source material in the form of audio recordings by conducting oral history interviews with individuals in our communities. The Pryor Center is able to help by preserving these recordings and posting them on our website, where students and teachers, actually anyone with a computer, can access the material for generations to come. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will also listen to other teachers, community partners, and students as they share their impressive public history projects that connect students with their community's history. You can find all the stories on our website at nchteach.org. This podcast has been produced by Regina Holland, Program Manager at National Council for History Education, and Talia Smith, a Teaching with Primary Sources intern at the Library of Congress. NCHE is a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium. This podcast contains samples of Bulldoze Blues by Eleanor Ellis and Henry Thomas. It was retrieved by Deanne Arthur and Rick Arthur via the collection of Music Box Project materials found at the Archive of Folk Culture American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. It can also be found on the Citizen DJ website. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of the teachers, community partners, and students who participated in the creation of this podcast. Until next time.